Oh, you saw him at the at the St. Pauli. Maybe. Yeah, I watched St. Pauli uh, play a kind of clusterfuck of a match. They were down two nothing and like into like the seventy fifth minute, and they scored two goals in about the span of like three minutes to uh, take a two two draw against. Nice. Um, yeah, yeah Bochum finished eighth in the Bundesliga Zwei, uh last uh, last year. So. Um, yeah, uh, and it was away. It was at Bochum, so uh, good result for St. Pauli. So Heck yeah, that's their their first uh, Bundesliga match of the year, right? For, yeah, Bundesliga. Yeah, Bundesliga. That's uh, right. But yes, yes, that was the first match yeah. of the year, and was on ESPN Plus, which is fucking uh, bullshit because I think ESPN Plus, even though they have the rights to the Bundesliga to Bundesliga Zwei, are only showing one game a week. Like they're not showing. Like, they're not making every game available, which is really going to fucking suck for uh, the FC St. Pauli, St. Paul, Borders group. Um, yeah, we're going to have to, like, figure out pirate streams and, you know, do it the way St. Paul would like us to do it, which is pirate it. So, <laughs> all right, uh, let's leave that cool looking. Podcast. Uh, regular crews here. Uh, Dan, how's it going? Yeah, not too bad. Enjoying this uh, like week of fake summer we're getting. Nice, nice. I'm Jay. How about you? I'm doing well. We're working on on bicycles and uh, trying not to burn my house down. That's those are good things. I mean, you I, don't own your house though, so it's not necessarily as much of your problem, right? Right. Uh, <laughs> so I, I live in the upstairs of a upstairs downstairs duplex and you know people always say not to do this but i've never had a problem with it i was frying eggs shirtless today and you know i didn't burn the house down but i did burn my chest when uh the the pan got a little too close for comfort i'm so glad to know that i'm not the only one on this podcast that uh has done that although i didn't burn mine uh frying eggs i burned my chest frying tostone eggs twice no you guys are fucking idiots <laughs> Uh, says the guy who has worked in has worked in many kitchens before. Like I would never ever uh, cook anything fucking shirtless. Um, I don't even like work the grill shirtless uh, when it's like 100 fucking degrees outside and I'm, I'm working the grill. So, uh, all right, well that's that's some good. That's so that's a good uh, a good tip for all you out there thinking about cooking shirtless. Um, don't do it. Uh, the, the success rate of that is already yeah, the the. Burn rate of the people in the podcast here who've done it is, is two for two. So uh, it's a very, very high percentage. You're probably going to hurt yourself. So uh, but my record going into this was amazing. Okay. <laughs> so, 
All it takes is one time there, MJ. <laughs> yeah, oh. yeah. Tell that to my ex girlfriend. Oh, never mind. Yeah. All right. So uh, you're not a member of our Patreon. Uh, what the fuck are you doing? Why are you not a member of the Patreon? We just I just dropped today the Victory Podcast in the Patreon feed. Uh, it is fantastic. Uh, it is uh, Luke Craig and Martin and myself talking patri- talking uh, the movie Escape to Victory with Sylvester Stallone and Pele. Um, it's uh, it's a good one. Michael Caine. Michael Caine. Michael Caine. I can't do a very good Michael Caine impression. Uh, plus, I'm stuck. Really? So. Uh, we're going to be MJ and I and uh, Conrad, who was our guest on our podcast last uh, well last season on uh, the Bundesliga earlier this year to talk Union Berlin. We're actually going to do a, a Bundesliga preview podcast uh, that will be available to the Patreons on Friday. So we're going to record that uh, later this week. You can get access to all that, all the archives. Uh, we've done seven. I think this is the seventh uh, Watch Party podcast. We have a couple more planned. I got a couple other ideas for pay, for Patreon. So Patreon stuff is coming uh, hard and quick now. We kind of uh, fell off the horse there for a little bit, but I, I have some other ideas and you're going to be getting a lot of content if you join the Patreon uh, so those three bucks a month help support the work that uh, we're doing, the Daves that you know. So uh, patreon.com slash the Daves I know help support the Daves that you know. All right, let's talk. Uh, we have a, a, a lot of shit happened, um, even one game uh, that I, I think we want to discuss a little bit. We have some questions, kind of the same format as we did last week, and then we'll talk um, a little bit United News. There's obviously a lot of news that popped up over the course of the week, and then um, talk a little bit about the upcoming matches, we have two this week. We have a, a match on Wednesday against Columbus and then one on um, Sunday uh, against the um, RSL again at home for some fucking reason. All right, let's talk Houston. Uh, first, any any big uh, takeaways, impressions from uh, from Houston before we sort of dive into the, to the match at all? Anything that surprised you about the way we were set up or anything like that? No, but it was once again – and we've seen this time and time again in this weird-ass season, really a game of two halves. Um, we saw it, obviously, against Dallas. That was sort of its purest form. Saw it against RSL. Saw it in this game. Uh, Loons looked really good in the, in the first half, and then it looked like they kind of lost their legs in the second. Um, and that's certainly borne out on the scoreboard. But even more than that, I mean, you can just see heads down a little bit more, guys really fatiguing. Uh, Roman Metner not tracking back the way that we would – consistently expect to see him and i i would love some explanation for for why that's happening um if it is travel that kind of stuff but you know this team last season didn't have quite the dr jekyll mr hyde personality they seem to be showing this time around yeah um all right let's jump into it um first half uh, we start off in a 4-2-3-1 he's favored formation uh, Debasi got the start over AHA. Dotson obviously in for Ozzy. Um, they had made a bunch of changes uh, the week before in Sporting Kansas City. Most everybody is back to normal. Uh, Reynoso, Lude, uh, Molino all out there. And Minnesota opened the game uh, really well. Um, and Kevin Molino with a with a goal uh, in the 11th minute uh, to make it one nothing uh, Minnesota. Anybody, you guys have any thoughts on that Molino goal? It was a pretty pretty pass by Grey Goose that set it up. The 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 step in front to create the turnover by Metinair and to get the ball to Grey Goose so he could go on that run was, was amazing. And I think it's, you know, I try to look not back goals against us at Dayton St. Clair and, you know, who shot them, but you look at where it starts with the turnover. Same thing when we have success, we should look at where the play starts with the turnover and Metinair just did a fabulous job at stepping in front of 
uh, his mark, getting that pass immediately uh, up the middle to Greg Ubush. Yes. And then one thing I'll, I'll point out, because I'm sure Mason Toy's name will come up uh, in the middle section of this podcast as we talk about the new acquisition, but he makes the perfect run. Uh, if Greg Ubush had decided to go up the middle, Toy was absolutely in the perfect position. He was onside. It would have been his marker. Pulls the defender. Greg Ubush decides to go over to Molino. Obviously, that's a successful choice, so you can't really look sideways at it. But uh, as we talk about Mason Toy, it is worth pointing out he very easily could have scored that goal instead of Molino. Yeah, uh, MJ, you mentioned Metonier. Um He almost cost us a goal. With yeah, the- no, he very, Italy. very inconsistent, very Betonair yep. 2020, not Betonair 2019. Literally six minutes later, uh, he uh, took a ball in his own box and, and danced around with it. And I don't know, we were at the bar at, at Blackheart. The seven of us that were there watching were just absolutely screaming, what the fuck are you doing? Kick it out, kick it out, kick it out. He turns the ball over to Memo, Memo Rodriguez. Uh, Boxwell has to come and save his ass. Boxwell actually gets the ball, um, but he, he sort of goes completely through Memo, Memo Rodriguez. That's a penalty to, Dar- to uh, Houston. Uh, Darwin Cotillo steps up to take it, and uh, lo and behold, uh, all that practice that Dane St. Clair had with uh, Darwin Cotillo last year worked. Uh, he made an amazing save. He dove. Cantero uh, went to his right, uh, so Dane Sinclair dove to his left. But Cantero kept it more central than uh, than right, and uh, made a uh, Dane Sinclair made a kick save with his with his foot. It was fucking great. So, you guys have any thoughts on either the the penalty that was awarded or the uh, or the the penalty shot that uh, was stopped by uh, Dane Sinclair? So, you are completely right, David. Where it started was indecision by Metnair and fucking around with the ball when he just needs to kick it out of bounds, send it deep, buy his defense some time because his that corner of the pitch was being overloaded by orange orange kits. And he just needs to know to get rid of the ball and buy his team more time. Instead he looks like me on the broom ball ice saying, oh I'm gonna look for a safe pass. Oh, I'm still looking for a safe pass. Still looking for a safe well it, it, if your players aren't moving or moving to where you want them to be, uh, it's, you just kind of have to take the, the punt sometimes. And, uh, you know, he didn't do that. I mean, and on top of that, both AHA over-pursuing allows, uh, was it Quintero carrying the ball to, to, to get around him? And then Boxall has to rush in from the completely the other side and he overpursues, and, and he's he's the one who ends up uh, fouling in the box. But both of our center backs kind of panicky, kind of not. We just need to contain. This is on the on the end line. It's very hard to score without doing pinball magic, pinball wizardry, if you will. So just a lot of kind of panic defending from our center backs. Yeah, uh, one thing that caught my eye on the penalty itself was just how much of Dane St. Clair there is. Like, he is a super long limbs dude in a way that I hadn't really noticed before. But he has the ball very well covered over to the side. If Quintero had gone further towards the post, St. Clair still had that covered, and his legs are truly, like, almost in the middle of the goal. So, whereas you kind of feel like a, a normal goalkeeper on a dive takes up you know, a little bit over a third of the goal. Speaking strictly lengthwise, not total area. You have to be absolutely massive to cover a third of the goal 
in total area. St. Clair really does cover almost half of it from the tip of his toes to the tip of his fingers. So, uh, but man, I, he made that save look really natural. That has to be so difficult because he got his legs spread. It wasn't just that he dove horizontally. He really did cover just a ton of area. And I wish this were a video podcast because I'm making like exaggerated hand gestures here that <laughs> obviously no one can see. We can, re- we can release the video. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so yeah, it was a great save. Um, Minnesota controlled uh, most of the rest of the first half and then uh, doubled their lead in the dying minutes of the first half. Uh, and actually the 46th minute, um, uh, Robin Lude pounces on a rebound. Uh, Marco Merrick spills a rebound, uh, who actually also had, a, a you know, all things considered, a, a pretty great game. Um, but uh, he spills a rebound. Uh, Robin Lude uh, just puts his fucking foot through the ball and uh, Merrick can't keep it out. It almost feels, it almost looks like on the replay, like he like, he kicked the ball and the ball, like it's sort of like a Kung or a Shaolin soccer style. Like he went into the goal with the ball because you couldn't quite tell right away if the goal, if the ball had actually crossed the goal, uh, but it did and made uh, the team uh, Minnesota went on into the halftime up to nothing. And I don't know if, if it was Struna or the left fullback, but Lude Nutmeg, a, a def- defender that was basically screening marriage, um, you know, if you're going to screen the goalkeeper, keep your legs together. You know, it's yes, yes. And again, Lude playing on the right uh, was in position to pounce on a pounce on a ball and did what he needs to do, which he does well when he's on the fucking right hand side of the field. So he almost had an assist on the fucking left today, though. Yep, yep. Uh, all right, so second half uh, comes out in, you know, as Dan alluded to, is definitely a tale of, of two halves. Uh, Minnesota made a substitution. Aha came on for Debassi. We still haven't heard if Debassi, you know, is injured. Is, is, did he pull something? Was he not feeling great? Um, we haven't got any, any word from Minnesota United, um, we, so we don't know what his uh, situation will look like for Wednesday. Um, I'd have to assume that, he, it, that there was something, that he, that he tweaked something or pulled something or – wasn't feeling super great because there, you know, there was no reason, you know, nothing that showed Debassi, Debassi was not performing particularly bad or anything. He was adequate. Um, so yeah. So 58th minute, uh, Darwin Quintero, uh, his 33rd birthday, uh, by the way, on Saturday, he finally, uh, finally gets his goal, um, makes it two one Houston, uh, date. So, uh, there was a, a great shot, uh, Quintero or sorry, I, I think Zarek Valentin, Valentin, I think it was Valentin. Um, puts the ball into the box. Dane has to come out and punch it um, and punches the ball. And then uh, Lude, not marking his man, by the way. Yes. Um, Horrible. <laughs> not marking. Or shit defense. has plenty of time. Dane, you know, uh, Dane's way out of his, uh, way out of his net. And Darwin Quintero does what Darwin Quintero does. And he, uh, he Doritos it. He just chips him. Uh, and it was a gorgeous, gorgeous chip. Minnesota had no, had no shot. Very, uh, you alluded to Lude not uh, closing down Quintero. That was actually the second complete failure of a close down as Valentin had about 45 minutes to pull out his protractor and figure out the exact height of the cross that he wanted in towards Minotas. And I, like, I wanted to put this goal on AHA because he completely got out jumped. Honestly, I don't think there was a lot he could do. If you give a professional soccer player the amount of time that Valentin had to draw up a cross, He's going to put it in a pretty damn good cross. And lo and behold, he did. Uh, But here again, I thought St. Clair did an excellent job. He saw the danger. He was quick off his line. The only fault is, yeah, maybe you want to punch it a little more sideways. But 
I, I'm not putting that goal on him. He's no, no, not much he could do with that. Neither of the goals are on, on Dane St. Clair. So Minnesota makes uh, their second substitution. Um, Marlon Harrison comes on for Mason Toy. Uh, Toy, you know, Dan, you mentioned, uh, well, you can talk very briefly. I just want to mention something here. Toy, from my estimation, just did not have a, a, a super great game. Other than that run that he made um, where Molino got the ball instead of, instead of Toy, uh, Toy just wasn't, he didn't, he didn't really have it for me. Um, and this maybe we'll talk, can we sort of, we can allude to our conversation about Kai Kamara coming up. But uh, Harrison comes on for Mason Toy. That means Molino goes up top. Lewis slides over to the left. Fucking Christ. And Harrison um, is plays on the right-hand side uh, to keep that 4-2-3-1 formation that Adrian Heath likes. And then not seven minutes later, um, in the 69th minute, nice. Mater Figueroa, fucking 37-year-old Mater Figueroa, uh, puts in a rebound uh, to make it 2-2. Uh, Darwin Quintero has a really great, there's a free kick. Darwin Quintero has a great free kick. Uh, Dane makes a great save, pushes, pushes the ball up to get it onto the bar. It bounces off the bar. Kevin Molino, who a lot of us at, you know, at Blackheart were, were yelling for Molino to be subbed off at halftime as he just didn't look like he had much after, after that first half, especially with a match coming up midweek. Uh, Molino's not, turn, like literally turns his back uh, to the play and Mayor Figueroa uh, runs in on the ball and just, and just, just He's able to roof the roof the second goal to make it two two Houston. So, you know, I, I don't understand what the fuck Molina was doing. Um, he was not defending at all at any point during this game, uh, and this is a, a clear uh, clear point of it. So, you guys have any other thoughts on this sixty uh, ninth minute goal? Why was not why wasn't Edwards subbed in for Molino at, at half or the sixtieth minute because? To, to me, you keep Lude on the right, maybe throw Mar- Marlon Harrison up, up at the striker position just to have a body up there and see what he can do up there. Put put Edwards on the left, keep Lude on the right. Everyone's a little bit more in their natural positions and you get the most tired guy who hasn't been defending all game off the, off the pitch. Yeah. Because, yes – two goal leads are dangerous and one goal leads are even more dangerous. But when you're leading by one goal, you don't need more goals. You need better defense, especially in MLS. The thing that stood out to me too is, and we've, we've griped about this before, you know, and she always said, you know, players put themselves on the team sheet and they play their way off it. I don't understand how you don't haul Kevin Molino off on that goal. Like, we hear the term ball-watching quite a bit, and I think it usually actually applies less to ball-watching and more to just being a step slow to react to things. Kevin Molino was just legitimately watching the free kick. He and I had the exact same impulse to defend that ball um, and about the same ability to do so. I don't understand how Inchi, seeing Molino having not played particularly well, looked okay in the attack. I didn't even think he looked that good up there. And then all of a sudden, he's he's not defending at all. Now he's watching the team give up the tying goal, haul him off, make yeah. an example that that type of behavior is unacceptable, and then figure it out from there. It's, and 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 he doesn't. And there is no doubt in my mind, absolutely none, that if Molina were healthy enough to play in Wednesday's game, he would be starting. Yeah, it's totally acceptable if you're Molino or Robin Lude or certain players on in Adrian Heath's uh, list. And if you're not on that list, then it's it's totally not. I had to look it up because I was we were having uh, I was kind of curious about who the 
oldest players were currently in MLS. And there are only two guys who are older than, than I uh, currently playing uh, in MLS. And that's Rod Fani of the Montreal Impact. And then Kyle Beckerman, who's like got me by a month. Um, Maynard Figueroa, 37 years old, uh, over 37 years old, um, beats Kevin Molino to a ball. It's just, it's fucking, it's unacceptable. I mean, beats him to the ball implies that Molino made any effort for it. Yes, true. Also true. Uh, in the 86th minute, he finally makes that Molino sub. That comes after Molino has a, has a really great, actually has a really great opportunity. Again, not playing defense, so he can just kind of play suck hole. Um, puts the ball, uh, he should have beat Merrick. Puts the ball off the, off the post. He goes down. Sort of Even the beautiful cross. Yes. He goes down in a heap. Um, he asked for a sub. Um, you know, after the game, it was mentioned that he, maybe have, he may have, like, tweaked a hamstring or, or something like that. Um, he's going to – they're going to play it by ear, obviously. You know, we'll see. I'm sure – you know, I'm sure this is not a, not a terrible excuse to give Molino a, a night off midweek traveling to Columbus. Uh, not, the, not the most ideal situation. But waiting until the 86th minute. And then bringing on Schoenfeld for Molino. If you were interested in bringing on Schoenfeld in, like, sort of the 86th minute, I don't know why Toy – why don't you give Toy one final sort of – opportunity to you know demonstrate that he wants that job um and you again ted mj's point if you don't bring uh, edwards on at halftime for molino bring him on in the 60 second 60 second minute you know instead of taking a toy take out molino bring in edwards or or hairston or, or whatever anyways um they didn't do that uh schoenfield comes on and two minutes later young gray goose gets a red card a straight red uh, after video video review you guys have any thoughts on the on the red card was it justified makes sense I can't remember who tweeted it out, but I completely agreed with it. Basically that in a vacuum, that's a red card. In everything that Struna got away with, and there might have been even a, a second yellow that you could call from, uh, not Figueroa, would have been, uh, would have been Lundqvist. Anyway, everything that was being let go from a, a physical violent play standpoint from Houston, you, you, you have to let that go too. And I guess I would agree with whoever tweeted that out. Yeah. Unfortunately, red cards just occupy an entirely different set of the rule book, right? Like if you foul somebody, you know, you just kind of run up on their ankle somewhere between half and the top of your box, it's a foul. If you're the last defender, that's a red card. Um, if you, you know, kind of make a threatening gesture at somebody that the referee is going to yell at you about that. If you had bought them, that's a red card. And I think this is the exact same thing. Like if Greg Goosh, honestly, and I, I don't think this is in the rule book, but I suspect this is how it is interpreted. If he had had an open hand, I bet that's yellow. It's a closed fist. It looks like a punch and that's a straight red. But this is, this is the story that happened not just in this game, but also in the Canadian championship game between, uh, Montreal and Vancouver, where the Vancouver defender was clearly fouled in the box. Uh, Freddie Montero comes over and starts like picking at him and yelling at him. Defender turns around and, and idiotically punches Montero in the knee, gets oh, yeah. a red card and gives up the penalty because it's a foul in his own box. Completely changes the game. And, and Greg Goosh got caught doing the same thing. But I, I, I completely hear the frustration. He didn't of, make contact. The ref, he didn't. No, that's true. That's true. It is. It, like, that, like, that piece is different. Montero, the Montero incident, there was contact made. The punch was landed. Right. You know, 
But in the rule book, it doesn't matter if the punch is yeah, if the punch lands. As soon as you throw a closed fist, it's a red card. I don't. Want, yeah, I don't necessarily want to debate the actual rule book. I, you know, there's there's a possibility that this might they might you know challenge it. I don't. I I sincerely doubt they will. Um, they're only going to challenge it if they think they can win it. So if they don't think they can win it, then Gregus. And I mean, as long as that's only one game, I guess it's not a big deal. If it's you know, it is violent conduct. I'm not sure what the MOS rules are in terms of violent conduct. If it's more than one game. Um, Maybe MLS tells them, "Hey, if you don't if you don't appeal it, it's going to be one game. If you appeal it and you lose, it's going to be three games." So maybe <laughs> give Minnesota the uh, the idea to not uh, not appeal it. So to, either to way, we're going right. I have no problems with that being a red card. I just, uh, I mean, I, I just think there should have been a second yellow or a third yellow on Shuna. Yeah, I mean, you know, and these two teams don't like each other. They play each other a bunch over the course of the last you know three weeks. Um, and then, so in the 90s minutes, uh, Jaguar Hayes comes on for Reynoso. Christian, uh, Christian Ramirez comes on for Kimber, who he came on for from Houston. But he, you could definitely tell, he really wanted to fucking score the winner against Minnesota. He was, he was working so hard to try and get a winner in those last sort of five minutes of the, of the match plus stoppage time, which was, was meant to be. So Minnesota goes to Houston, gets a point. Um, this is the first time that Minnesota has actually uh, scored a goal in Houston in uh, three matches. They have been shut out from the previous three matches. This was never, never beaten Houston uh, in Houston, which is, uh, which is kind of a interesting fact. So um, in yeah. the league, in the league. Yes. Yes. Correct. They have, uh, they have beat them uh, in the open cup. So uh, yeah. Yep. <laughs> uh, so we have a few questions. Um, let's start specifically with the game um here and then we can talk about our, our freddie ado so we have a few um dan once you hit us with hit us with yours yeah so the way this game went down obviously super frustrating Loons go up two goals they give up two really bad goals in the second half and and i can understand all of us being really frustrated i suspect adrian heath is far more frustrated than any of us pre-game if you had been offered a 2-2 draw would you have taken it Yes. I mean, just, yeah, 2-2, two, two, sure. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think everybody, I think everybody would say yes to that. You know, knowing that you're going to go up two goals and then, and then concede two, you know, I don't know. Oh, but yeah, and, and I guess my, my overarching point is this team has been so frustrating in a lot of different ways. Um, you know, they, they have not acquitted themselves well. There have been times they look amazing. And I feel like this is the type of game that just fits into whatever narrative is ongoing, right? So let's say instead of having been embarrassed in two games recently, United had been on a really good stretch. We get on to Houston, go up two goals. Yes, this is amazing. Give up two frustrating goals. I feel like the narrative coming off of that is that sucks. But you know what? A point down in Houston is still pretty good. Let's keep this going. And But because the, there's so much negative negativity around this team, most of which they have earned, it's kind of the opposite of uh, yeah. the game itself. Isn't meaningful. It just takes on the meaning of whatever is contextually around it. So yeah, I also definitely would have taken the two, two draw. It's just, it's interesting to see what the reaction has been. I will give an analogy on that, Dan, when you, when you enter the, the, the semifinals of, of a, of a meddling sport and you end up losing the best you can get is is bronze. So you go to the third place game, and you win that. You're elated, and and 
if you win in the semifinals, but you lose in the finals, you get silver. And even though you're better than the bronze team, it doesn't feel that way because expectations change depending on the situation that a sports competition provides you and your teammates. When, when against expectation, we're playing really well and we're up to nil fans' expectations, players' expectations, coaches' expectations are going to change, right? No, that's, that's totally fair. Also, I would love to see – I assume you're referencing the paper that points out that bronze medalists are happier on average than silver medalists. I wasn't referencing that, but I, I don't know that paper, but I just assume that to be true because it's about what you can – what the best outcome is given certain expectations – so there, that is that is a quantified paper. Uh, bronze medal, your your happiness by medal is gold, obviously, and then bronze, silver, fourth. I want that paper redone after a five year gap because I would suspect that silver medalists, once the once everything sort of settles out and you can you can look back with some perspective, go, yeah, silver medal's pretty fucking cool. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, all right, and, and maybe five years from now we'll be really really happy about this two two draw. <laughs> I'm never happy about Houston draws and that, that you can go back to the fucking beginning of this podcast when uh, there was a very deathly zero zero draw when it was like 90 fucking degrees in Minnesota at TCF bank stadium. I think it was the worst fucking game of soccer. I think I've ever seen um, I'm never happy about Houston draws period. So you can take that to the fucking bank. All right. MJ has a question. Um, what's that? The TCF bank stadium. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, the bank. That's the, yeah. yeah, that was the that was the fucking point, MJ. You didn't need to point it out. <laughs> oh. All right, what was, MJ, what was your question? So you 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 have an interesting one here too. I'm interested in, in chatting a little bit about this too, quickly. So Heath doing Heath things instead of subbing off Lino at half or the 60th minute or the 62nd minute when he made uh, that other sub. Uh, it was Harrison Ford for toy. Instead of doing that, he kind of does this shuffle switcheroo where Molino is going up to the, the striker position. Lude's moving to the left because Harrison's more comfortable on the right. And the idea is, is that Lude makes a better shoehorn in at, at left wing than Harrison would at, at left wing. And I have to agree with that. But instead of taking Molino off, He's doing all this other stuff. And we've talked already about Molino just looking gassed. And when you're tired, it's hard to play defense. It's hard to have your head up. It's hard to make good decisions late in the game, which sometimes involves playing defense when you have a lead. So if that amazing cross, Lude, not known for playing well on the left, Lude likes to play balls on the pitch, short passes, not large looping passes, he hits Molino on a dime right in, right in Molino's wheelhouse. Molino hits woodwork. If that, instead of hitting the post and going out, hits the post and goes in, do we feel better about Heath's management in game? Or do we just say, even with the win, like Molino's gassed, he might be injured. This was poor management on Heath's part. Does winning cure everything? Dan, I'll let you take this one first because I have I have a rant. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I think mistaking 
bad process with good outcomes is is a mistake. Um, because we don't know how that game. That's the mo of this team, though. <laughs> I mean, that's modus that's, operandi. <laughs> that's true, but it doesn't make it right. Um, because you know what, we don't know how that goes, right? So Molino puts the ball in. That's amazing. Let's say he still subs off with the injury. Um, Houston is going to go absolutely all guns blazing for that third goal. I think it's entirely reasonable to guess that it still ends up tied as long as we're living in fantasy world here. Um, I, I don't think so. Look, I think at this point, anything, I think we have seen enough of Robin Lude on the left. Let me rephrase. We have seen so far too much of Robin Lude on the left. And we've seen how good he can be on the right, what he does for this team. I don't ever want to see him on the left again. So what, like, put in Raheem Edwards. Yes. Or find find a fucking left wing that's not like they're illegal. You can find, you can acquire them. It's, it's a thing that you can do. So, like, I, I refuse to abide any solution that includes our best case scenario is Robin Lee back on the left. That's just, I'm, I'm never going to be okay with that ever again. Now that I know how good he can be on the right, I don't want to see the left again. Yeah, I mean, stripping away the those actual um, pieces of it, the the thing I keep coming back to is like, Adrian. This is what Adrian Heath is gonna fucking do, and we either you either need to uh, accept that and just and be a realist about it, or or keep banging your head against the fucking wall. And I'm gonna, you know what? I'm gonna keep banging my head against the fucking wall because. Fuck- <laughs> Um, he's not going to change. We know he's not going to change. Um, would would three points be better than one point? Yes, a hundred times out of a hundred times, I would rather take three points at one point. Anybody who tells you differently is a fucking idiot. Um, take their money. Uh, I want three points. <laughs> However, you know it's the would would uh, your original question is: Will we feel better about his subbing? Too late, not at all. If Molino, you know, it actually puts the ball in the in the net. Um, no, because he's, you know, again, this goes back to Dan's point, um, you know, bad process, uh, good outcome is not a sustainable business model uh, for anything, fucking anything. There's no, maybe Tesla, maybe fucking Elon Musk, uh, bad process, good outcome is the only, you know, the only actual uh, business model where that, where, you know, that works. It's, 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 it's bad. It's terrible. It's always been bad. It's always been terrible. Kev Molino did not play a fucking lick of defense in that entire fucking game. It wasn't just the second half. He did not look great uh, in the first half playing defense. Um, you know, there is – he hasn't looked great. He doesn't – that's fine. If you, if you aren't expecting him to play defense, that's fine. But that's not, that's not the impression that we get from uh, Adrian Heath when we talk about uh, – when we talk about his players and all that. Um, you know, if he's not going to play defense, you know, why, don't, why even have him back on that fucking uh, – guarding Reynoso – or uh, Figueroa, sorry. Not Reynoso, Figueroa. Um, it just it doesn't make it that to me doesn't make a lick of a lick of sense. So, Marlon Harrison would have done a better job marking Figueroa on that whole whole. whole yes, bit. anybody. Fucking, I would have done a better job marking uh, Maynard Figueroa. Um, <laughs> and I'm like five six and fucking slow as shit, man. Um, I would have known not to turn my back uh, and and actually mark the guy who was fucking running straight at the goal. Uh, so I don't know. It's just it's you know I'll keep banging my head and and. Keep getting, you know, people will yell at me for, you know, not giving Heath uh, any credit whatsoever. I'll give him credit. Well, you know, 
he he had a great game plan to start the game. Um, and we've said this, we say this a bunch of times. He has a great game plan to start the game, and then he totally gets out coached in the second half. And that is, um, and this goes back to something earlier we that said at the very very beginning of the podcast. I think Dan brought it up in terms of like the this being a Jekyll and Hyde team, and why why is that? Why do we look so slow and all that? The, the answer the answer to that question it, it's two words adrian heath it starts at the fucking top right the guy either doesn't manage he doesn't manage the team well um he clearly doesn't have them prepared uh for what they're doing and how they need to play and he doesn't know how to in-game manage and make changes that's a that's a fucking problem that's a problem that minnesota's going to have for as long as adrian heath is coaching this team which theoretically is going to be for at least another two more years. So fucking get used to it. I'm just going to mention a, another coaching staff person here. Sean McCauley was brought in to help coach the defense in to take Mark Watson's place on the defense coaching. And I will say this, you, set piece defense overall is improved from last year and significantly improved if you look at like 27 and 2018, if you even want to count those. So on the defensive side, there have been improvements, even without Ozzie and Ike, I can say that you want to talk about process and better process. The way that we're defending set pieces, maybe not in this Houston game, but in general, has, has been better. Eight, but, of, eight of the last nine games, we've given up multiple goals. But, I don't but, yeah. I don't, see, I don't see an improvement on defense. Even I know Ozzy's Ozzy's been out for a lot of it. I know Ike's not there. I don't see an improvement on defense. You keep saying this guy's name, who's his defensive coach. Who the fuck is this guy? I've never I've never seen this guy. I'm just saying that there has been improvements on set pieces, but in the run of play, we look atrocious. We look we look lost. We we're, we we have a, we have tunnel vision. We're ball watching. We're not marking players. It's you know on on both goals we weren't marking players off the rebound i'm not sure if you um watch a lot of soccer mj but most of the game is not played off set pieces <laughs> that's american I'm, football I'm and different. why are you arguing with me i'm kidding i'm giving you shit i'm giving you shit <laughs> oh I, that's well, fine fucking life put your liverpool everton hatred aside <laughs> and, and just agree with me that what i'm saying is we've made some improvements but not in important areas right not where most of the game is played in the round of play, the the, the goals that the, the stupid fouls in the box giving up PKs, like just horrible defensive discipline, like panicking rather than containing attacking threats, trusting your goalkeeper, be, being on the same line for, for an offside strap. You know, there's just so much disorganization and lack of decent defensive discipline and yes it looks better when you have Ike and Ozzy in there to help kind of lead manage the, the defense but some of that it can't all be on Ike and Ozzy some of that has to go to the coaching staff yeah um, I would say most of it uh, all right let's do our Freddie adieus um, I, you know, I, I talked just, I, you know, ranting on Molino. Molino was my shitty Freddie Adu. Um, and I'm going to say, you know, sort of t- it's one B is Adrian Heath for potentially ruining uh, Kevin Molino uh, for uh, any of the good that he does do on offense. Uh, Heath just running him 
into the ground for 86 minutes is fucking unacceptable. And my, my good friend to do is uh, Dane. Um, I think he had a hell of a match. None of the, either, neither of those goals were on him. Uh, that penalty save was, was fucking baller. I think Dane Sinclair has, has uh, really solidified his, his spot as the number one goalkeeper. And it sounds like um, Ranjit Singh's uh, injury is not as bad as they originally had, uh, had worried. Um, but I think it, this, is Jane, this is Dane's job um, until, uh, until otherwise, until you know, Miller comes back. Or I would say this is Dane's job for the rest of the year, more than likely. Uh, Dan? It, pre- it presents such an interesting dilemma. We can talk more about this later, but I'll just I'll tease it now. Like, Dane has played really well. And I think what we saw in this game against Houston is that he can be a match winner. Uh, he can he can take a game that you probably should draw or lose and turn it into a win, and that's a rare talent. <coughs> so come the offseason, when Tyler Miller is healthy again, Minnesota will have a very interesting choice between the two. Um, my good Freddie Adu, uh, I'm going to steal MJ's crown here. I'm going to I'm going to defend Robin Luke. Uh, I thought uh, I thought he had a, an outstanding game. Um, now that's overstating it. I thought he played well, particularly in the attack. Uh, his crossfield ball to Molino on the second goal that he ended up scoring, I thought was incredible. Um, and then heads up play to, to slam the ball home. Uh, the almost game-winning assist, also fantastic. Uh, he just – he looks unbelievably miles more comfortable than he did before. And I think having him on the right – like, and, and, and some of this, too, is the Reynoso effect, who we haven't talked about much, who also played very well in this game. Mm-hmm. But having him know his role uh, and, and be in a position that makes him comfortable, he looks good. He, he looks like an asset. You know, so much in, like, the MLS's back tournament, we were talking about how we didn't even know. It, it, it wasn't even just his salary. It was, what is this guy doing on the field? And now he knows, and now we know, and all of a sudden he doesn't just look like a, a, an okay player. He looks like a real asset to this team. Yeah. So I'm, I, I have come full circle or rather, I have turned 180 degrees on, on Robin Lude. Uh, my shitty is Jan Gregush. He needs this break. A little bit like Metonair, I don't hate him missing the game. I think, I think it's for a very stupid reason. But I'm almost wondering if, uh, if Metonair and Gregush looked at each other and went, if we don't, uh, if we don't get red cards, we're never going to get any time off. So <laughs> I'm going to do it in this game. You do it in the, in the next game. If Boxy... If in the game against Columbus or RSL, Boxy just straight up cold cocks somebody for a red card, <laughs> we will know with certainty that this was planned and they were each going to do it one game at a time so they could finally get some fucking rest. Oh, my God. Uh, uh, but Greg- look, Gregush has not been good. Um, yeah. the, the ball he played in for the first goal was excellent. By far his best moment of the game. Uh, and then, look, I, I, I agree. Struna should have been off earlier the ref lost control of that game in, in a very subtle way. We didn't see a lot of pushing and shoving until we saw a punch thrown. Um, you just can't do that. And, and this is the second time we've seen this Toronto being the other where Jan just kind of lost his mind. And both times it ended up a red card, both times it ended up costing the team. So uh, he's my shitty Freddie. You do MJ. So my Freddie, do best player of the game is, uh, Metonair. I thought he had some really good steps in front of the ball and steals. But my shittiest player of the game, Freddie Adu, is also Metonair. Because for reasons we already talked about, you know, not getting rid of the ball when you just need to 
get it out or boot it deep to buy your team time and to organize and breathe a sigh of relief on defense. You just have to know when to do that. And I get that he's probably used to having more players around him that kind of know how he likes to play and know a little bit more about playing out of the back. But there are times in MLS, especially, you just need to not try to play out the back. And Metner had that lapse of, of judgment. I, I kind of also want to give uh, a shitty Freddie adieu um, to Lud for the, for not marking Quintero on that. But he also, as Dan pointed out, had, had a lot of good things to contribute to this game. Uh, naming the same guy as your good Freddie Adu and shitty Freddie is a classic 2017 Zeller move. So uh, re- replaying the hits. <laughs> it also it also really captures the spirit of being Freddie yes. Adu. Yes, I, I, was, I was often I often would did that because I was uh, yeah I was I was yeah taking the award maybe a little bit too too close to heart. So um, all right, I'm glad to to pay an homage to 2017 Zeller. I'd much yeah, rather do that than pay an homage to the 2017 Minnesota United. That was a rough time. Um, all right, let's do Houston quick. Uh, MJ, we'll start with you because I like this one too. Oh, so my my Frankie Jew goes to uh, Ahaj uh, Alhaj Struna, center back, and why? Because he actually distributed the ball really, really well. He played out of the back. He came up to, to midfield, was, was passing the ball long, passing short. He did not have a lot of turnovers or bad passes in this game. He also played pretty well on defense by fouling a lot of people very hard um, and getting away with it. Uh, so, and for that, Struna is my – Freddie Adu, best player of the game, and Freddie Adu, worst player of the game, in, in the spirit of Freddie Adu. Um, I also want to give a, a, a worst Freddie Adu to center ref, uh, Vic, Victor Rivas, who decided that he wanted to pick the victor instead mm-hmm. of the draw. Fair enough. Uh, Dan? Uh, I got to give my good Freddie Adu to Darwin Quintero. Uh, he came into this game, he drove – Houston's offense. Every good thing they did went through him. Uh, yeah, missing the penalty wasn't great, but that was also a really nice save by Dane St. Clair. Uh, and even on on just their general attack, everything was working through him. I think Tab Ramos deserves a ton of credit for getting Quintero to accept playing on the wing and be being really, really effective there because he's so much more effective out on the wing than he ever was coming through the middle for United. Uh, my shitty Freddie Adus go to Lundqvist and Seren. Um, <laughs> they didn't have a ton to do over on that side, but what they had to do, they didn't. And Minnesota United beat them like a pinata down that side. Um, not the first time we've seen uh, the midfielders on uh, on Matinair's side look bad. Uh, so he clearly still has it going forward. But uh, yikes. Houston played really well, kind of except for that corner of the field. Yeah, for sure. Uh, no, no argument there for me on those guys. Um, I was, I was, I'll say Marco Merrick. Um, he did actually have a, a pretty good game. He kept the, he kept Houston in it uh, several times in that second half. Especially, there's a couple of amazing saves that he made um, to keep the game uh, within one for Houston and allowed them to uh, to to get the win. So 
Uh, I guess I was just feeling good for goalkeepers this week. So, all right, let's, we have a couple questions. I, I was kind of want to go through these relatively quickly uh, and then we'll, we'll take a break and then uh, do some United news and talk about the rest of the, the rest of the upcoming schedule here. Um, Dan, why don't you hit us with your, for your question first? Yeah. So, this is sort of my attempt to explain the, the Jekyll and Hyde thing we're seeing, but I'll, I'll phrase this as a question. Uh, so particularly against good attacking teams or on the road, the Loons love to play a counterattack. We've seen it a million times, but it is pretty physically demanding. Um, it's a lot of high intensity sprints, particularly from the fullbacks. Uh, so my question to you guys is, can the Loons continue to, to run the physically demanding counterattack given how compressed the fixture list is and their mounting injury issues. And can I add lack of depth at fullback? True. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I'll, I'll start. I, you know, I think that the question isn't, can they, it's like, what else will they do? We've clearly seen when they, when they try to do something different, um, although the three five two, it just it's it's complete, and maybe that is just the uh, the actual um, um, players in that system trying to do anything different than what the, the running a counterattack is not in their like not in their wheelhouse. And the question and the thing with the the, the counterattack is that if your defense is solid and you're not allowing stupid shit to happen, you're not giving away shitty fouls, you can, the, the point of the counterattack is to absorb a lot of that pressure, to not have to expend a ton of energy uh, chasing down balls because you're in a good short formation and a good shape. And then you can, you actually expend your energy on the counterattack when you need to um, not, you know, not pouncing the ball back and forth across and, and trying to, trying to do um, everything. So I, I can lose. I think they kind of have to because I don't think there's any other way for this team to win matches um even with a compressed fixture list and mj's point is, is very valid a mounting injury issues and lack of fullback depth i just i don't think minnesota has another option um that's that's sort of my take on it and i think they're gonna by hook or by crook they're gonna have to do it by MJ? the hook or by crook part i will go along with basically you can learn by studying and in doing theory or you can learn reality and learn by your mistakes Minnesota United has to do one of the two. There are differences in counterattacking styles. Counterattacking isn't just one style. Dan, you would agree with me that they're counterattacking in a way that maybe Houston Dynamo or Portland Timbers do, which is kind of a free-flowing, possession-oriented, ball-on-the-pitch sort of counterattacking. The kind of counterattacking we would hope to kind of do with a Reynoso is more physically demanding than booting it up to DDR Drogba and hoping he scores a goal while you keep 10 people, <laughs> you know? And, and so I'm not saying that we do the latter, but I'm saying Minnesota needs to learn with these, this demanding schedule and with their shortening roster due to injuries and even shorter roster because he doesn't know how to rotate a squad they need to learn when to expand energy. They need to learn when it is probable to run forward and, uh, and help on the attack and, uh, and support that ball carrier and when to just hang back, conserve your energy, 
play defense and wait for the next opportunity. And I would say that last year and probably five years, going back to five years before that, we weren't seeing a lot of people running up forward to help on the ball. Now that we have Reynoso and Lude playing better because we have Reynoso and a creator like Molino, and we kind of feel that we have enough ball possessors. Metinair certainly helps. Gregoosh helps. People that can control the ball in tight spaces and, and pass that, we're seeing more people willing to run forward and help, which is overall a good thing. But considering our schedule, considering we, we have to go on the road, we're playing the stupid but very, very important, you know, same day of arrival, same day of departure thing. We're tired. You're, you're kind of out of sorts. You're not allowed to get there early and settle in to an away game. You know, we have to learn to, to pick our moments and you have to learn how to do that one way or another. Yeah. I, I think it's a very good point. And your point about uh, Jose Mourinho's counterattacking style and a counterattacking style that might actually be fun to watch for anyone else uh, are very different. Um, you know, I, to me, this really harkens back to a point that we made. I can't remember if it was last week or the week before, but one of the one of the things he'd said a lot this offseason, and particularly as we got into MLS's back, is is how much the depth on this team was the best that they'd ever had. And I think we actually agree with that. But what we've seen is not judicious use of that depth. We've seen them get wholesale changed in. We saw it against Sporting Kansas City. It was the Sporting, it was the Sporting Kansas City podcast when we were talking about, hey, these guys have been pretty good. But it turns out if you turn over three quarters of the team, they don't play super cohesively. So the depth exists, but it doesn't exist to be used except in emergencies. So I think that's something that's been really frustrating to me. You know, we, we could have seen Molino rotated out and Raheem Edwards over on that side. I mean, I know Chacon has, has reached meme status at this point, but we haven't seen Chacon, but he is a warm body. who's pretty effective over there on the left. So I, that's what I feel like we're missing. I feel like to David's point, there's no other choice. They're going to keep doing this. They're going to keep running Chase Gasper into the ground. And he has clearly, by the way, been given a green light to shoot in a way he has not in his career before because he has taken 23 shots in his entire career and 13 of them have come in the last six games. <laughs> so they're, they are trying to get him more involved in the offense for reasons I'm not. Seven. I, I guess. Yeah, shoot, shoot on sight. Shoot on sight. License to kill Chase Gasper. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think your point is well taken, MJ. Like, they've got to learn to pick their runs. But, man, they're going to be learning. They're going to have to do that on the fly because they haven't learned it so far, and the fixtures aren't going to get any less compressed from here on out. And I don't trust our coaching staff slash physical training staff to teach it to them. They're going to have to learn it on their own, which I kind of feel like is a, like a broken record. Like, the, are, are we successful because Heath is the genius coach? Or do we have good players that succeed despite Heath? Now, that's oversimplifying things. I have been willing to admit that I've been too much of a Debbie Downer when it comes to Heath in the past, and that there is some credit. I mean, you guys, David, of all people, have convinced me that, that Heath does have game plans 
for each team. And I was like, yeah, you know what? He does come in with a, with a very specific game plan. And yes, it doesn't adapt very well when things go wrong, but I was not giving Heath the amount of due prior to this year. That said, I still say the players are having to do a lot more work than they should because the coaching staff isn't putting them in a position to succeed on various different levels and attributes. Fair. All right. So the other question I have, uh, and this is a, this is a statement, but I'm going to make a question out of it. Um, so I don't know if you guys have seen the team, uh, Adrian Heath and the, the lackeys, the, the, the fanboys out there are bitching about the fact that we've only played uh, quote three home games and nine road games unquote. I mean, the first thing I have, first thing I have is fuck those guys. Um, I don't want to, I don't want to di- like discuss the the nuance of this. Obviously, you know, counting those games in Orlando as road games is fucking stupid and doesn't make any sense. Um, clearly, we we all the three of us all have issues with MLS and the scheduling. And, and yes, it's been it's been uneven so far. Um, we also have we've talked about how. Clearly, when they started the game with the first two weeks on the road, those were in the middle of fucking March and before a fucking pandemic. So, like, clearly, like, this is going to be an uneven fixture list. Now, it sounds like MLS is going to announce the uh, second half of the uh, – or the rest of the schedule for the rest of the year, probably tomorrow, because that is what will happen, obviously. We record tonight on Monday. They'll They'll drop everything else on Tuesday. Theoretically, Minnesota will have – there'll be a little more balance. Maybe we'll have the two extra road games because we started – we played two games on the road to start the season. There's going to be balance on the schedule. So my question to you is, what will the team latch on to next to bitch about as an excuse for why they're not winning? Injuries. Injuries? It's going to be the injuries. The yeah. compressed, compressed fixture list, many guys got hurt, and and – the team just uh, just couldn't ever find its footing because they couldn't find a consistent uh, consistent lineup. All right, yeah, I hope the interns taking notes so that they can uh, reference this later. <laughs> Sorry, I, I'm, I threw I threw you guys a curveball there on that one. So. I, it's if Dan's being hit 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 the nail on the head. What else? What else are they going to go to? That's the obvious choice. Like the fans. Yeah, lack of fans. Um, I will say this on the yeah, stupid you, on the stupid MLS scheduling. I'm wondering how much we're hosed by the fact that we can't have fans. Did we did we have to go to Houston not because MLS is fucking disorganized and they didn't know what the fuck they were doing and they were planning a different phase two, but they had to like change all, all their shit because phase two wasn't going to turn out how they did. Did we have to go to Houston twice because? they just were confused and needed to come up with a schedule quick or do we have to go to Houston twice because we don't have fans and MLS can get some more bucks by having it in there. Do we have to go to go to Salt Lake because they can have fans? We didn't go to Salt Lake. Salt Lake has fans. We haven't gone to Salt oh, Lake. Salt, Lake's, been Salt here. Lake's coming here twice. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, there goes my theory. Fuck my theory. <laughs> it's no, I, the not. thought has occurred to me as well. It's, it's, uh, it's a fucking crap shoot, man. It really is. It's like the, I, I don't know. I do feel that, on a serious note, that I don't envy the MLS schedule planners at all in, a, in the times of pandemic. I do feel like it's not too hard to put up a, a database or a spreadsheet that keeps track of things like home and away, um, maybe strengths of schedule or, you know, which opponents they played. 
and come up with a better balanced strategy. I don't mind playing the same teams over and over again if it's this idea that it's kind of like a tournament group phase and you're going to only be evaluated on, on the group. But then if you're doing that, you can't evaluate them on a Western Conference table um, or an Eastern Conference table if you're just evaluating amongst the group. So yeah. I, I feel like there are huge lack of symmetry, equal points of evaluation, things that should drive logicians and mathematicians nuts about the MLS schedule every year. And then the pandemic just makes this 10 times worse. What actually sucks because Minnesota, um, if you guys remember this, according to, I think it was Reuter did it, they did the you know, athletic did an analysis. Minnesota has the easiest schedule. Like we, we missed Atlanta. We missed, we missed, or we played Atlanta, but we missed uh, Toronto and we missed a couple other, like, like two of the best teams in the uh, um, East this year, based on the, the way the schedule is like, we have one of the easiest schedules. And now it's actually turning out that we're having one of the hardest schedules because uh, we're playing Columbus. Who's, Running away with the Sporter Shield right now on Wednesday. Uh, we played Houston a bunch. They're they're really they're, they've they're, they've turned their season around. We played Sporting Kansas City a bunch. Um, so yeah, it's been a it's been an interesting uh, interesting uh, next phase. So uh, all right, you said, said Caleb Porter in his second year was going to be interesting to watch at Columbus in our MLS preview podcast. I think that was cool. Um, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no one, no one said that. <laughs> All right, good job, MJ. I only got two things right in that preview podcast, that Philadelphia <laughs> weren't, weren't going to be as good as last year, and that Columbus was going to be a lot better this year because of Caleb Porter's second year. So I'll take my, my two, and I'm just going to ignore all the things I said that I predicted that have not come to fruition. We'll just ignore those things. That's the way to do it. That's the way. That's the days. Uh, that's the days. I know way. So, all right. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, we will. Uh, we'll talk some United news, and we'll talk about those upcoming matches uh, on Wednesday and Sunday. You want me to be that type of dude, and I want to be who you like me to, but we. And we're back. Uh, we're going to talk some United news and then break down. Uh, we have a very brief Minneapolis City stuff, and then we'll break down. Not really necessarily break down, but we'll talk a little bit about these matches coming up against the Columbus Crew and RSL at home. Um, so, yeah. So, we had a lot of news happen last week after we recorded the podcast. Thursday, Minnesota United acquired uh, Adrian Zendejas, goalkeeper from Nashville SC. $50,000 in GAM and up to $100,000 in TAM based on performance bonuses. Uh, he is now the uh, fifth goalie on the Minnesota United roster. Uh, he mostly play, has mostly played for Swope Park, Rangers. Swope Park Rangers. He's been very, very good in the USL. Um, and uh, he's gotten uh, he got a couple games for Sporting Kansas City in the last two years, mostly playing Open Cup matches. And he's been, uh, you know, Nashville. He was acquired from Sporting Kansas City by Nashville. I can't remember exactly what the, the amount, the actual amount was. Um, yeah, so he he's definitely going to be the backup goalkeeper. Um, he's definitely acquired to be a backup goalkeeper. He is, I believe, a little bit older than Dane. Um, dude definitely is a dude who, if Dane gets hurt for some reason, you know, I, I don't necessarily have a problem with, you know, him getting a shot. Um, he has, like I said, he's been very, very good in the USL. Uh, the one thing that I do really like about this, and I, and, and I like this as a depth move, don't get me wrong, but it did prompt Heath to say unequivocally, this is Dane St. Clair's team, and I'm glad 
for the team's sake, but also for DSC's sake, that 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 is out there and he has that certainty now. Yeah, 100%. All right, and then the big news that happened uh, well, it was first reported, I believe Thursday, it was started to come out Thursday, Friday, uh, came out um, more solidly and solidified and was confirmed and announced on Saturday. Uh, Kai Kamara um, was uh, purchased from Colorado or traded for uh, from Colorado. He was traded for $150,000 in GAM, uh, 2022 uh, second round draft pick. Uh, Kamara is in the last year of his deal. He will be an MLS free agent after the end of the year. So this is definitely a win now move for Minnesota, uh, picking up a, a decorated striker like Kai Kamara. A uh, little bit of a few stats here. He's this is Minnesota's his eighth MLS team uh, that ties him for the most in MLS history. He's the fifth leading goals, goal scorer in MLS with 129 goals. Um, he's winning 61% of his headers this season. So yeah, so there's, it's it's a it's an interesting move. Um, let's talk a little bit about. We have a couple questions uh, related to Kai Kamara, but I just want to give you guys this, uh, first your quick reactions to to Kai Kamara. So Dan, let's start with you, and then MJ, uh, you can go after Dan. On both of these moves, I like them for what they are, but I really like them for the price. Um, Minnesota United needed another striker, even just for depth. I mean, it, we saw Schoenfeld at at the end of uh, the game against Houston, but he was not moving well. He was not moving well, even by Aaron Schoenfeld standards. So I, I would be loathe to trust him if yeah. Toy were to say get injured in the beginning of the game. Like we would definitely start to see some shifting around. So even if this were just depth, I like it. United didn't give up anything of huge value, and they're bringing in a, a player who will give them a different offensive dimension than they've really kind of ever had. Uh, Angelo Rodriguez was not a good header of the ball at all. That was probably his weakest skill. Uh, Luis Amaria looked a little better, still not great. This is one of Kamara's true calling cards. And Gasper's crossing has gotten much better from the left. We know what Metnair can do on the right. He's going to get service. Yes. So I really, really like this move. I don't know that it will work. I don't know that this is what United needs as opposed to other positions. Setting those things aside, looking at this in a vacuum, I think this is a great move. And, and I don't really have any equivocation about that. And before MJ, before you go, I, I said this, on, I put this on Twitter. Um, I criticize this, this team, this management, this front office for a lot of things, you know, and, and I will give them a lot of shit for a lot of things, a lot of things that they do, a lot of moves that they make. I'm not ever going to give any team shit for, for making a move like this to win now, right? This isn't giving up. Um, this isn't trading away your entire, you know, farm team in, you know, Obviously, we don't have a farm team because we don't have a farm team. But, you know, in baseball, this isn't trading away your top three prospects for, um, a, you know, a, a, a shitty closer to, you know, shore up your bullpen, right? This is a – this is basically giving away nothing. Um, this is all funny money. Uh, I have a, uh, a sort of a post that I was in. I'm in the middle of writing talking about um, gam and tam and all – and wham and bam and all that shit. Um, if you're going to – this is a win-now move, and I like it. I'm never going to criticize – a team that is in a position like Minnesota United is in where they have an opportunity to win. This is this league with, with Atlanta and LAFC being such shit right now, this league's wide open, right? Seattle's looked really, really good. Um, but this league is wide open to, for them, Minnesota United to, to take and to win. And it'll, you know, it would suck if they win a title without, you know, uh, fans in attendance, but you know, banners, flags fly forever. Right. So um, a wins, you know, win, 
if this is a win now move, and I really this I'll say that to why why I appreciate that, why I like the move. So MJ, uh, what are your quick thoughts on that on the on the transaction? First of all, give credit to Dan on the prediction point of last week saying, "What do we need? We need a striker," and they went out and got a striker. David, I mean, <laughs> completely agree with you. As much as I criticize the club on multiple levels for doing things the wrong way, this was the right move. And to Dan's point, you can't argue with the price. Most importantly, I am looking forward to when a support, Minnesota United or Colorado supporter group goes to a trophy house, buys a cheap plastic fucking cup or, or trophy, and prints on, engraves on some nameplate, the Warner Saeed, Gat, Birch, Cronin, Nicholson, Miller, plus two international spots, Kai Kamara, 150,000 GAM, and second round draft pick, Cup. Um, <laughs> that will be an amazing moment in, in history, and some supporter group should do that. Has there been a, a Rapids United trade every season? Because I think I think the answer to that might honestly be yes. I think there I think there has been yes. I'm I'm like 99% certain without without doing any without doing any research whatsoever. I'm like 99% certain that is true. Yes. Bur- Birch and Cronin would have been 17. Yes. Okay. I love it. I hope it continues forever. I hope these teams are are MLS contractually obliged to swap even the dumbest shit from now until perpetuity. They've been they've been very good to us, so I'm not gonna complain. Yeah. All right. What's 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 answer Dan's question? Then I, I want to talk a little bit about the dist- like uh, answer you guys about you think about the distribution of minutes. But I, let's answer Dan's question first. I think we can I think we can get to that pretty quickly. So Dan on Twitter asks, uh, now that we have a, th- a header threat, Kai, uh, will we fall back into the Metnir crossing 85 times a game, or will it, or, or will Reynoso's presence stop that from happening constantly again? Um. You know, I, I think it will we've we've stopped doing that crossing the ball twenty plus times a game. I think having that as a as a as a, a quiver in your bow is a good thing. Um we haven't had that because we haven't had Opara. So you know, especially on set pieces, we've seen Reynoso actually be really fucking accurate on set pieces and, and almost Grey Goose almost had a goal in that match on Saturday off of a Reynoso set piece if he had been sort of paying a little bit closer attention. Um, he would have had a, a, a tap in on the back post. Um, I think with Reynoso and, and with Gregus, they they both have the pinpoint accuracy. Having someone like Kamara to be able to get up and, and head a ball um, is going to be awesome. I don't think we're going to see as many. I don't think we'll see a, a bunch uh, in the run of play like we used to see. I think this team has sort of mostly gotten away from that. But definitely on set pieces, having someone like Kai Kamara and they're bodying people up is, is a good thing. I, uh, so I pulled the numbers on this, and Kamara has 13 right-footed shots this season versus three-headed shots. So as much as he gets this reputation as being a big-bodied guy in the center, um, it doesn't really bear out in his numbers. He's very consistently shooting right-footed. He gets a decent amount of headers, don't get me wrong. For his career, he's about a 58% winner of aerial duels. So I like having that as a weapon, but he's not – this isn't a guy who has no feet and one really good head. Um uh, so the, the thing I'm really excited about, yep, totally agree, David, have that body in there, give it, make that an option. If they're going to shut out the outside of the box, if Reynoso is having an off night, you do have that option for scoring goals. The thing I'm really excited about is him pulling center backs. He is going to take up space in the center of that box. He's going to pull one, probably two center backs, because you can't just let him poach there. And it's going to make life so much easier for Lude, 
Dotson, Reynoso shooting from not even necessarily outside the box, but dribbling all the way up to just the inside of the box and getting some of those, those uh, easier shots with a screen keeper. Uh, the other thing I think will happen because you absolutely have to know where he is at all times, any ball that's parried out, I look for Lude to be jumping on those and getting those second chance goals that we've seen him get before. Yeah. MJ? I really have nothing more to say other than what you guys already said. <laughs> okay. Well, I'll start, I'll start with you with this question then. Um, what do you think the distribution of minutes between uh, Kamara, Toy, and Schoenfeld is going to be for the rest of the year? So I'm going to do this in 90-minute chunks rather than percentages. And if you this really bothers you, you can get out your calculator and divide by 90, and, and you can figure out. That's fine. Just, just give us the times. But but uh, so I say Kai Kamara sixty to seventy minutes out of ninety. I say Mason Toy somewhere in 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 fifteen to to twenty minutes, and Schoenfeld gets the rest. Now, I'm oversimplifying things. I'm not taking into consideration, are we leading by how much, so on and so forth. But in general, I think Kai Kamara is going to get the starting job, and we're going to ask him to eat up as many minutes as he can. I think Toy does a great job off the bench when Kai Kamara is tired or if we're looking at preventative injuries, like trying to prevent injuries, bringing him off before he gets tired and winded would be a good idea. I don't know if this team's going to do that. But Adrian Heath, buddy, so. But, but well, the, I did say 60 to 70, not, you know, 45 to 50. So, I, but, yeah, that, that's how I'm envisioning this happening. That's not how I would do it, but I would, I'm envisioning 67 for, for Kamara, 10, 10 to 20 for, for Toy, and a, and a small amount for, for uh, Schoenfeld, whatever's left. Dan? The way Colorado's been using Kamara this year, um, they've been rotating him quite a bit, but it's tended to be on for a full 90, off for a full 90. So I wonder if that's, at, at his age, I wonder if that's better for him fitness-wise. Um, and, you know, honestly, I wouldn't hate seeing that. Um, plan to give him 90 if the game dictates otherwise. Yeah, you can, you know, sub him off in the, the 70th or 80th and, and give Toy a little bit of time. Um I suspect we will not see Aaron Schoenfeld outside of garbage minutes at this point, just because I don't think there's a lot that he can do that Kamara can't do better. Uh, so uh, I'm, I'm bummed to see Toy headed back to the bench. Once again, kind of stuck behind guys that the team has, has brought in ahead, like to be deliberately to be ahead of him. But um the thing, the thing that Houston game really drove home to me is that he wants to play a fundamentally different kind of attack than the rest of United's attack wants to play. And so it, to me, this isn't even about, is he the right player? Is he, is he advancing? Is he good? Like, it's just a, he's, he's singing opera and the rest of the team wants to dance tango. And those two things just don't really go together. So um, I'm excited to see Kamara. I hope Kamara is a great mentor to Toy. Um, I think it is, we far too often say, oh, old player coming in and young player already exists. The old one's going to be a mentor. Look, there's a lot of guys in professional sports that don't have that gear. Uh, and the, the ones that do are worth their weight in gold. 
For example, Arsenal still has David Luiz for a reason, and it sure as shit isn't his ability not to give up penalties. Uh, he's a great mentor, and that's a rare skill. So I hope Kamara can impart some wisdom to Toy, but he's really here to put the damn ball on the back of the damn net. And whatever Toy learns from watching him do that, so much the better. But I'm less hurt for Mason Toy than I was when they acquired Amaria, if I'm being honest. Yeah. You know, the, the a, like a split, like a platoon would be really awesome if that is what they're intending to do. Uh, but again, I am I'm trying this realist shtick on for uh, for size, uh, <laughs> trying to like be get into Adrian Heath's head and think like a Tory and uh, and you know just 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 embrace that that bullshit lifestyle. Um, and so I, I I you know I think it's gonna be. I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see if, you know, it's maybe it's, they're going to try and, and, and ramp him up. Right. I think maybe we see it starts off 45, 50 minutes with toy coming on. Um, but getting Kamara up to that 60 to 70 minutes uh, with, you know, either toy or Schoenfeld coming on, depending on um, if, if you need to chase the game, you bring in Mason toy. If you're trying to hold the game off, you bring in uh, Aaron Schoenfeld. So I think Mason toys minutes actually go down quite dramatically with this. And I, I think uh, barring a, um, you know, a Kamara injury, which again, this half over half the team is on the injury list right now. So who the hell knows, uh, could very well. And, and Adrian, he could run Kamara into the ground and, and then Mason toys back out there again. But, um, I think the way the team wants to, to use Mason, uh, uh, Kai Kamara is dictated more on, on the fact that I think they don't want to use Mason toy. Um, I think, and it would be interesting to see what, what they do with Mason toy in the off season. Um, and what they do with Amaria, if they if they pick up Amaria's contract, because I don't think Amaria is going to see the pitch again before the end of the field, before the end of the year. I hope I'm wrong. I hope uh, he gets back and, and they give they have a little bit more options uh, for their striker. But it won't surprise me if if Amaria is out for the rest of the year. So, um, all right. Can I say one more thing. Yeah, go ahead. On the being realist thing, I predict that Kai Kamara will get run into the ground. A la some NCAA baseball coach that doesn't know what the fuck they're doing. They have a pitcher and they just trot him out there every game because rather than playing single A ball or double A ball where they rotate pitchers, they just have one good guy and they just throw him out there. Heath is that NCAA baseball coach. He's, he's going to, all his players that he likes, he's going to just go out there and run them till they can't run anymore. And then they're injured for the rest of the season. And this isn't the first time we've seen him do this. And I predict that, that Toy will get a starting job based on injury or Kai Kamara not being able to do certain things because he's so tired before the end of the season. All right. So you made two predictions on this one. So way to hedge your bets. <laughs> um, all right. So a couple I'll be of wrong one of these times. Yeah. Couple of little bits of United news. Uh, Thomas Chacon's loan is on hold. Um, obviously, we talked about all these injuries. Uh, Thomas Chacon is going to stay in uh, Minnesota for a little bit longer. And then the other, um, but this is uh, has been hasn't really it's sort of been rumored, um, not confirmed. But uh, I know Alliance Field has uh, uh, been talking about becoming a polling place or at least a, a ballot uh, center for uh, Ramsey County. It's a place to drop off ballots as, as opposed to you know including. You can do your, you can drop your ballot off at the Ramsey County Election uh, Center, which is at the courthouse. I think they want to make Allianz Field a, a a place to either a polling place or a place to um, drop off ballots, which is really cool. 
and something that you know would be would be awesome it's centrally located it's right on you know public transit both the green line and the a line are right there so it would be a, a an awesome awesome opportunity for for that and i would I, if that's something the team's doing i think it's awesome and good for them so all right uh very quickly minneapolis city minutes uh mj hey remember that lower league e-cup that was going on where they were playing fifa we had uh minnesota uh minnesota minneapolis city uh defender jonah garcia made it to the finals of that tournament well now the lower league e-cup they're not doing fifa tournaments anymore but they are having kit battles they're doing this battle of the kits and the wing kit the really nice sharp looking wing kit by minneapolis city has made it to the semifinals. so by the time you're hearing this the semifinals will probably be over but if they win this round against FC Austin Elite, then please vote for them in the finals. Also, David, you went to watch some Minneapolis City 7-on-7. Seven seven. Tell us where that was and what that was like. Yeah, so you mean Minneapolis City's uh, Twitter army isn't, like, uh, running, up the, uh, running up the score against Austin Elite? They have to – they're still not – they still haven't claimed victory yet, so. It, uh, it was, like – 45-55 last time I checked. So. All right. Minneapolis City, Twitter Army, you got some work to do. Uh, yeah, I went out to uh, watch the 7v7 soccer last week. It was up in Blaine at the Nessie um, on uh, one of the newer fields. So in the old uh, – basically, they built some fields in part of where the parking lot used to be. Um, uh, that, so it's basically right – you know, is in the the parking lot of where we would always park before Minnesota or yeah, Minnesota United matches up at the Nessie. It wasn't. It was. It was good. It was actually. It was good soccer. Um, the uh, you know, you expect sort of. You know, it's a kind of an intramural league. Um, you know, the teams are these guys are playing each other all the time. So you figure they might be a little bit uh, a little bit chummy and whatever. No, these guys wanted to fucking wreck each other. <laughs> uh, it was great. It was great. Um, they had uh, basically boxed off uh, good size areas so that you have you could have up to three other people, so four people in sort of a box, um, and each box is sort of socially distanced. So they could probably fit uh, up, probably because there's yeah four people. They could fit up to probably seventy people um, to watch. There's two games going on. Uh, you get you basically you are you are at your spot. And that's where you can. That's where your spot is, and you watch one game basically. They have two two matches going on at the same time. Um, if you are able to do it, uh, you can go to the Minneapolis City website and click on the seven v seven. They have, I think, there's some spots still available. I think they have this week and maybe next week, and then it's done. I can't remember if it's if it's two more weeks or if it's this is the last week. But it's interesting. It's if you are feel comfortable like going and and dining outside, it's 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 that's you know that's a lot more probably you're probably a lot more closer to people that you are than you would be going up to watch a, a, a match for basically an hour. So it was fun. It was good. Um, all right. So we have a couple matches coming up. Uh, RSL on Sunday, which we obviously we've, we spent a ton of time talking about RSL over the course of the last uh, month or so, um, month plus. Uh, but we have the Columbus Crew. Again, a team we talked about about a month ago, a little more than a month ago, um, in Columbus on Wednesday. So uh, Columbus is favored. Uh, it's even money for them. Uh, Minnesota is, is minus 120. Uh, or no, sorry. That's, yeah. Um, yeah, Columbus is minus 140, draws plus 275, and, and Minnesota uh, winning is a plus 335. So that is Columbus's favorite there. 
Um, that's Minnesota plus uh, half a goal or a goal is minus 120. So you get uh, you get a plus a goal for Minnesota. So uh, total over under on goals is two and a half. Um, so yeah, so Columbus plays in a pretty standard four two three one. That's their that's what they like to do. Um, why don't we talk a little bit about the the guys that we should be looking out for on Columbus? Um, who wants to start? I'll say uh, e- e- goalkeeper uh, Eloy Room from from Curacao. Ever since he's come back uh, in taking the goalkeeping reins from from Tarbell, they've been a lot more steady in the goalkeeping position. Uh, Giassi Zardes is having a decidedly uh, un Giassi Zardes like season, which is to say he's finishing a lot of his chances. Uh, he didn't look particularly good against United the first time out, but that was, like you said, a month ago, and Columbus as a whole looks a lot better right now. Uh, MJ, you want to touch on the uh, two key injuries in this one? Sure. Darlington Nagby uh, has been having uh, – his knees got knocked. I forget which game where he had a collision, and basically one or both of his knees have been swelling up. So we don't know if he's going to be out or not, and – Lucas Zelleron, their Argentinian DP, who's fucking phenomenal, uh, has been struggling with MCL grade one strain. Now, it's just grade one, and so that usually means like two weeks, but and it's been about two weeks, but I don't think he's back this game. But if they're missing both of those players, yes, it makes Minnesota United's job easier. They're still winning without those two guys. Yeah. Zellerion played 20 minutes on their last game. So he's, I think he, he may not start in this game, but I I think Lucas Zellerion will, will get on the pitch for, for Columbus. Um, So yeah, he played uh, most, he played their most recent, their recent match. So. I missed Uh, that update. Thank you, David. Yeah. The, the big thing I think for um, that you got to talk about for Columbus is they're not scoring a ton of goals, but they're not conceding any goals. Um, they have nine shutouts in their 12 games. They've uh, conceded four goals um, through their first 12 matches. So uh, this is going to be a low, I think a low scoring affair. Uh, either way, wh- however it shakes out. So the defense uh, and their defense, Jonathan, uh, I was just saying, Jonathan Mensa, um, one of their center backs uh, from Ghana has been, been outstanding for, for Columbus, both in the, in the MLS back tournament and in their, their games so far. Yeah, and on just to piggyback on that, David, we've been going against a lot of teams that have weakness at center backs. I'm thinking of Houston with Struna and Figueroa. I'm thinking of Sporting Kansas City with Beasler and Punchek or whoever they try to put alongside Beasler. I'm thinking of Real Salt Lake. This will not be one of those games. Jonathan Mensa is a boss in that, in the, in the box. He knows how to defend. He knows how to lead a back line. So it'll be, I think goals will be hard to come by. Like what you guys said. Kamara is technically available for this game, which gives United the best chance they've ever had against a banging center back like Mensa. Um, could be a really interesting test. I mean, we'll get into this here in a sec, but Minnesota is going to be trotting out a very strange lineup, no matter what. And, uh, it could be really fun to see Roman Metnair put in 85 crosses and see how many times he can find Kay Kamara's head. 
uh, it's probably our best chance of scoring, if I'm being honest. Yeah, for sure. <clears throat> and I'll shout the uh, – so Harrison Offal is, is their right back. Uh, Valenzuela is their left back. And then uh, Abu uh, Bakar Keita, Keita is the, the other center back. And, and again, that, that's, that's been a pretty standard back line for, for Columbus. So what's, let's talk a little bit about how, how we think – you know, how, how should you play them? Let's talk a little bit more about specifically we're, we're missing Grey Goose. How do we think Minnesota will line up? Um, you know, are we just going to plug in uh, uh, Hairston or Ja'Cory Hayes? Uh, or do we think we might see a slightly different rotated uh, lineup for, for this match? Um, I guess, I, obviously, you know, we don't know about Debassi. We don't know about Molina, what their injuries are like. So we're, you know, obviously we're speculating there. But you know, assuming that they're both healthy, what do we what do we think we see for Minnesota, and and then how how do we attack um, how do we attack Columbus a team that has you know again only given up four goals in twelve games? Okay, I think from the center midfield standpoint, I wish they would start Dotson and Corey Hayes as aggressive as that is, and I don't know which one of those has the defensive responsibility. Probably Dotson. I, that's what I would like to see is play the kids, put Dotson and Ja'Cory Hayes in the center midfield. I think what's going to, what's going to happen is Musa is going to get the, the starting spot at, at the six, despite at how atrocious he's looked. And I think they're going to give Dotson and spot at the number eight. I'm assuming uh, if Debassi's not healthy, that AHA is obviously going to be in there. And I hope regardless if, Molino can jog or not that Edwards gets a start on, on, on left wing. But again, if, if Molino can breathe, he's probably, he's just probably going to start. Him. I'm going to choose to be uh be an optimist about this sort of a very strange kind of optimist. Uh, the realest bit of this is Minnesota United needs to punt this game. I like, I don't care if they write Chacone and they put Opara as a starter, but don't tell him or fly him to Columbus. And they'd be like, oh, whoops, there was a miscommunication. And that, like, fake 100 COVID tests. I want no – fake 100 positive COVID tests. I want no part of this game. There is nothing about this game that benefits Minnesota United. It's an East Conference opponent. It's uh, a game they're unlikely to win anyway. You take absolutely no chances. And so the optimist bit out of that – is I think Heath realizes that. I think he looks at Kevin Molino. He knows that hamstring at the best of times can be a little bit bulky after this fixture list and after he went down with it. I think he looks at this and goes, I'm not risking that. I'm not touching Kevin Molino in this game. Kevin Molino, I, I suspect, will not make the 18. Uh, if Kamara is healthy, which I, I, there's no reason to believe he isn't, and I think he then becomes eligible for this game, I think you start him. I think you start Thomas Chacon. I to MJ's point, I'd love to see Dotson and Ja'Cory Hayes in the center of the park. Like, Minnesota does not have the personnel they need to win this game in the counterattack. This is not going to be a recreation of the great game these two teams played down in Orlando. So what they should do is try something. Earlier in the podcast, both MJ and David, you talked about this team needs to learn. They need to to figure out a different way of doing things. This is the lab, boys. You can't win this game. So use it as a lesson. Figure out, okay, if there's a team that we know we can't beat uh, in a bunker encounter, 
how do we beat them on the attack? Like, I, I hope Minnesota has 65% possession. I hope Dotson shoots from 30 yards or more twice. I hope Reynoso tries to dribble 60 guys over the course of the entire game and everything else is a ball into Kai Kamara's head. That'll make me happy because it'll be this team trying to figure out how to win a game like this that is completely unwinnable. Playing for a draw, playing for, well, you know, we played our strength and their strength was just a little stronger than our strength. That's idiocy. Minnesota United does not have the personnel to play this game the way that they did last time out. So fucking try something new. All right, about 90 minutes in, Minnesota intern. Minnesota cannot win this game, the Daves I know. Uh, <laughs> put that on the fucking bulletin board. <laughs> I gotta, look, I got to admit, this is worse than getting coffee. Like, if there's actually an intern uh, assigned to this, <laughs> when, when the office opens back up and I'm back seeing Minnesota United employees with some frequency, yeah, whoever you are, just tell me and I'll buy you a drink down in the canteen. <laughs> uh, I mean, you're not – Dan, you're not wrong. Um, there's yeah, If someone is paid to listen to us, my God. Yeah. It's bad for them. <laughs> yeah, no, no shit. No shit. As I have to, I, I have to do it to uh to edit it and it's the fucking worst. Um <laughs> you know, there's this is a I yeah, I mean I, I can't I can't say more Dan, I think you pretty much hit the nail on the head. I I I hope that we I think what's going to happen is it's going to be a lot more like what MJ suggested as opposed to what you suggested. Although I think <laughs> the end result will be a lot more like what you, uh, what you predicted. And then uh, I think MJ might be even be a little optimistic there. So um, I'm going to punt and say somewhere in between. Uh, I would love to see, you know, Chacon get a run out. Um, I, I'm guessing they're going to probably try and hold off on that. Cause I think they still want to get him out on loan, but it would be nice to see him get a run out. It would be, again, I would love to see Edwards, um, you know, give Molino a break, uh, you know, some rotation, even if Molino is, is just, a, is, you know, he's like 90%, just t- give him the night off. Um, you know, let Chacon play uh, on the left, give him 90 minutes to say, you you have 90 minutes, you are going to play, you're going to go um, prove something, do something, right? You know, um, I would love to see Chacon play with Reynoso and see what those two can do together. If nothing else, uh, you know, again, I think Kai Kamara will, will get, you know, 45 minutes, maybe you say, you tell Kai, 45 minutes, we just want you to get used to playing with these guys. When it comes on for the second 45, uh, I think this will be some sort of a, yeah, hybrid between trying to play, you know, a the regular sort of a similar style of what you're playing because you want to get people used and ready with each other for the playoffs, but also um, a little bit of uh, rest, a little bit of, of experimentation. So at least that's how I would how I would try to play it. So uh, Dan, I think we know who, uh, who you're picking to win. Uh, I'm assuming Columbus. Uh, yeah. 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 Uh, MJ, who do you got? Columbus. All right. I think we're, we're in agreement there. Columbus. So, uh, all right. So RSL, uh, that's, this match is happening on Sunday, uh, at Allianz. Uh, we're playing RSL again at home. Uh, I think this time, uh, RSL's playing a midweek match. They're hosting the LA Galaxy. So, you know, last time when RSL came to town, they played a heavily rotated squad. Um, and, you know, Minnesota got the better, the better of RSL. So what do we think? What's the, what do we expect from RSL uh, this coming week uh, on Sunday? You know, the interesting thing about RSL this season is they have been incredibly high variance. Uh, they took LAFC pretty well out behind the woodshed at home. They beat them soundly. Uh, and then uh, the game before that, the Colorado Rapids, I put up 
six on them, either five or six, and it definitely could have been more than it was. Uh, it got to the point where the RSL broadcasters were talking about just how awful the team looked. And then there was a fight after the game, and the broadcasters were like, you looked horrible and disinterested all game, and now you look interested? This is disgusting. So, like, it was really one of those games. When the, the, the opposing – or when your broadcasters are cheering for the opposing team, you done fucked up. And that was, uh, that was RSL a couple weeks ago. So I have no idea. I have literally no idea what squad rolls in here, whether they rotate or not. Um, honestly, I think this game comes down to who you, Minnesota United can get healthy. Uh, Greg Ush will probably be back. Is Ozzy finally going to look ready to go? Um, the key to beating RSL is stopping up that midfield and not letting them build up ahead of steam. If Minnesota United can do that, I think they beat RSL again. Or RSL completely beats themselves. They are entirely capable of that. I, I look at Albert Rusnak and Corey Baird and Pablo Ruiz maybe to start, unlike they did last time. Um, and that will cause us more difficulty because they're so good at controlling the midfield. Rusnak, in particular, gives Minnesota fits when he plays against Minnesota. He loves Very playing good. against us. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. I think it's going to be a much more, uh, you know, and we'll see. At home, you think RSL wants to play, you know, in front of their fans. They want to, they want to put out their best roster. So it's possible, you know, there might be rotation. Um, again, I, I think uh, Freddy Juarez um, realizes that, you know, he – can, he needs to play a few of those guys. He can't fully rotate his squad against Minnesota and, and expect to, to do well. Um, but I, I, I think I agree. I think we'll see the likes of uh, Rusnak and Miriam and Ruiz um, and uh, Corey Baird uh, playing against against Minnesota. So Will Michael Chang get a start? He started uh, last week against Vancouver in their in their loss to uh, the Whitecaps. So um, yeah, you know, it'd be, yeah, he'd be he'd be an interesting one. I would think it would be it'd be very interesting to see if he. If he does get a if he does get a start, so if uh, if Mitchell right. is listening to this, uh, not nineteen eighty nine French Open winner Michael Chang. <laughs> yes, right. Yes, the the Cuban Michael Chang, not the American Michael Chang. Uh, all right. So who do you think is going to win this game? You know what? I've been so down on Minnesota United lately, but they didn't look horrible against Houston. I think they'll be healthier than they've been in probably two or three weeks. Give me, give me the loons within this game. Right. I also think take Minnesota winning this game, but it's really hard predicting this game, not knowing who they start and sub midweek. Yeah. I mean, that's, that is kind of the point of this, uh, our fun, our fun uh, thought exercise here. Um, I mean, it's Minnesota's going to need to win this game. I think the, the um, they're only three points separating uh, ninth place, which is out of the playoffs in LAFC, and the Houston Dynamo, um, who are in tenth on fifteen points, and Minnesota, who's in fourth place uh, with eighteen points. So, you know, we're both we're all expecting a loss against Columbus. Um, you know, that means that Vancouver, LA, LAFC, the Galaxy. Uh, Houston Dynamo, Colorado, all have an opportunity to to jump Minnesota in the standings. So Minnesota's going to definitely need need to get a win. Um, so I, you know I think we're going to see a full a full strength squad from Minnesota. Whether Freddie Juarez runs runs out a, a B squad again uh, remains to be seen. I think 
I think Minnesota. I think they need to get a win, so I'm gonna predict. I'm gonna predict a win for this one. So unanimous, unanimous. Games, six on, predictions, and we're all the same on both. Yeah, for sure. All right. Um, so we got so we got a one more final question. It's actually multiple questions. Uh, our friend Meredith uh, at the Soccer Dom underscore on Twitter, uh, one of the mods for the Plastics uh, SG, uh, who's on the podcast earlier this year. She had. Uh, a few questions, mostly not soccer related. Um, one soccer related question, uh, specifically soccer, and then we have a, a, a kit question. So MJ typed out his answers. Uh, Dan, I'm gonna give these to you and, and we'll let MJ give his answer and then we can we can jump in. So our first question, best meal you've eaten lately? I recently made some panfish paella with a tomato, red onion, and green pepper sofrito and it was amazing, and I made a side of uh, chicken roasted corn black bean chili to go along with that. Uh, and no, I have no Mexican or Spanish roots, and I know those two are bitter rivals, but I just wanted to combine them on the plate for me. Nice. Uh, well, last week I marinated some uh, chicken uh, bell peppers, red and yellow bell peppers, in a, a olive oil, olives, uh, lemon juice, a uh, bunch of spices. I married that for like six hours and then threw all that shit on the grill and then served that over rice. That was a, that's the best meal I've had in a while and something I made. Um, so yeah, I've gotten a lot of use out of my, I got a grill for my birthday. Um, I'm not sure if I told you guys on this podcast like eight times, um, but uh, it was fucking awesome. And uh, I've been using it uh, I moved it up to our stoop so I can use it in the wintertime. So I can just step outside real quick and use the grill. So I'm going to be grilling all winter. I'm going to be a, a true Minnesotan. So Dan, do you have a, a best meal you've eaten lately? Love it. I have serious grill envy because uh, mine broke. So it's broke. I, I am I'm in the process of, of trying to figure out why it broke. Uh, but instead of being a lovely electric smoker and grill combo that sits lovingly at like so let's say 225 it heats up to like 450 in a matter of maybe two minutes and it's real hard to cook anything at 450 for two minutes <laughs> so your hair you can cook your hair yeah i mean that's true if you want to lose an eyebrow that's a great way to do it uh the best thing uh i've made recently was uh the complete other end of the food preparation spectrum i um i did a pork tenderloin sous vide um oh, wow really 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 simple uh herbs in there so like rosemary a little bit of basil and oregano um my ride or die food recommendation right now is anytime you see dry mustard on a like on a recipe you should mentally sub that for chinese hot mustard i have done that for every recipe that i have made this summer and i have never once thought yeah that wasn't a great choice um, it just adds this look, like incredible extra character to it. And I'm, I'm a huge fan. Uh, so we did that for, I think like two hours and then uh, uh, pan seared it off. Uh, and then we did mashed potatoes with it. And it was just unbelievably good. It was legitimately the best pork I have ever had in my entire life. And I made it and I was so proud. Nice. Did I ever tell you guys, I, I, I make my own mustard. Do you really? I no, but that's making. been on my list of condiments to make. So I fucking love awesome. making mustard. Mustard is the best, and it's it's not hard to make, and you can you can do a lot of really cool shit with mustard. So I highly recommend making your own mustard if you can. I've, I've, I bought a mortar and pestle just just specifically so I could 
make my own mustard. It's fucking awesome. All right. Uh, Meredith's second question is, what do you miss most about attending the matches? Uh, or attending matches? MJ? I miss the two H's, which for me are hugs and heckles. Oh, I was to say hand jobs and uh, hand skis? No, uh, I, I miss hugs and heckles. I miss being able to hug people safely that I maybe only see every game day. You know, I only see them for soccer things. I don't hang, them, hang out with them outside of soccer. And it's just fun to see them, catch up with them, talk, maybe share a drink, give them a hug. Can't do that anymore. And I miss heckling opposing players. So those are the two things I, I miss. Yeah, I mean, my, I think mine is in the same vein. It's, uh, it is seeing the people that I only really see for soccer-related things uh, and uh, high-fiving and, and, yeah, hugging and sharing beers and, you know, buying people beer. And, and the, the, just the general, like, fandom of soccer, whether you're an opposing fan or, or you're a fan of the same team, like, it's a, it's a you know, in, in Minnesota and, and the U.S. specifically, it's its its own little weird niche, right? It's There's not many sports where it's your own little weird, like professional sports in this country where it's like, it's a weird, it's still a, still a weird niche of, of, of weirdos doing weirdo things and soccer, specifically Minnesota United and, and the dark clouds and all that. It's, it's a bunch of weirdos doing weirdo shit. So um, I do, I do miss, I do miss more of that. So Dan? Yeah, I will go three for three on that. I miss the uh, the guys who have season tickets next to us. Miss you, Kyle and Amanda. Um, the other thing I miss is is the stadium energy. Uh, I miss whether whether it's a game the Loons should win, whether it's going to be closely contested. Uh, man, Allianz just produces this vibe, and you walk in and you're like, yeah, let's go do this fucking thing. And it's just like you're there with nineteen thousand of your closest strangers and everybody's there for the same thing and you're all just super amped up and i miss i miss the pregame like not the pregame ceremony which is interminable but just like the build it, that's the one thing that you really lose turn just turn it on the game you're like yeah i bet other people are having the same experience i am yeah. and it's true they are but like there's no there's no vibe there's no energy it's it's weird that's that's actually a good point i mean i obviously i miss singing wonderwall with a bunch of people but I really, I really, more so than that, I miss the sort of like, we had our pregame ritual pretty much fucking down to a T. Like when we left the bar, like the, how long it took, we knew exactly how long it took us to get from, you know, the bar through security to the, our, our spots in the Wonderwall. We always had someone who saved spots at us for us right down near the, near the front of the Wonderwall. So like I, I miss, I, I really, I'm a very ritualistic person. I do kind of miss that. Cause now it's like, oh yeah, we, if we're going to go watch it at Blackheart, like we show up like, 10 minutes before the game starts and like there's like seven other people there so it's like okay cool it's like we don't like we don't have a ritual now where we to to start the games or to watch the games so that's a good point and dan on your part of like missing the season ticket holders next to you shout out to dustin Lori, cheryl and tony that i usually sit with and and kevin who always uh contributes to our banter who sits in front of us nice um all right <laughs> Who would be the most insane, chaotic signing that Minnesota United could make? Well, I don't know who mentioned it last week, but I'll leave that, whoever mentioned the person last week, to re-mention that person if they want. It, I'm keying off the word chaotic here, and this would never happen, but, you know, we're kind of, if Debassi's injured, we, we have even less depth at center back than we've ever had. So there's a guy named Kepler... 
Lavaron de Lima Ferreira, uh, otherwise known as the Portuguese defender as Pepe. That's his <laughs> nickname. And, and he would be the most chaotic person that Minnesota United could ever bring in here that, you know, when you think of Minnesota nice, think of like the opposite of that. That's fair. <laughs> Dan? I feel like the exact opposite of Minnesota nice is Nigel DeYoung, but I'm pretty sure he's <laughs> retired. Um, true, yeah. MJ, when you said, you know, Minnesota United needs a center back, and we've talked about a lack of mobility uh, earlier on the podcast, and if we're going for pure chaos, reacquiring Francisco Calvo would be, like, really, really <laughs> chaotic energy. Like, that would – it would instantly turn Allianz Field into, like, the castle from Zelda. <laughs> like, when Ganondorf takes it over, it would be – it would be the center of chaotic energy. Uh, if we're talking about if we're talking about like signing somebody from Europe, though, uh, you know, looking down in some of the some of the lower leagues, I don't know. Brings Latan back. <laughs> yeah, uh, Kawa would be insane uh, and chaotic. I, we get a I get a very perverse. Uh, it's I have a Pornhub account that's basically just uh, Francisco Cavo fucking up and allowing goals. Um, it's, it's just, I just keep, I just tag them and I just, you know, it's what I use for, to jerk off to. Um, that's a, I, I think MJ, I, you referenced, I, I mentioned Mario Balotelli, uh, who is, who I think is pretty much out of a club right now. He would be, um, we need a striker. Um, you, you know, you like to use his head, um, for soccer and not for anything else. Uh, but he uses his head for soccer. So I think that would be a pretty fun, uh, insane, chaotic, uh, signing, Bellatello, I think, is younger. He's way younger than Kai Kamara. You know, we could potentially see him for uh, for a couple years. Uh, uh, R.I.P. Mason Toys uh, confidence, and uh, you know, R.I.P. Whatever bathroom that Mario Bellatelli shoots fireworks into. So, <laughs> all right. And then Amara's final question. We spent a lot of time on, on uh, soccer stuff on the pitch. Uh, best meals. What's the uh, favorite kit that you've seen that's come out lately? Uh, MJ. All the Minneapolis. Futures kits are fire emoji times five. Yep. Dan, do you have a, a, a more a recent favorite kit? I do. Yeah. Uh, I feel like uh, I feel like this might be a leading question, but I'm gonna fall prey to it because the uh, the kit that the Plastics put out with uh, Acres FC and uh, Mot- Motorik Motorik Alexandria is a fucking fantastic kit. Uh, looks absolutely great. It's up for pre order right now. Uh, I also got to shout out the uh, the Arsenal kits with the Gothic lettering, which looks amazing, but you can't buy the Gothic lettering, and I'm so pissed about that. So uh, it's it's I guess it's it's a mixed blessing. I would like that kit, but I also like having money, so maybe that's uh, for the best. Yeah, um, it's. Uh, have you seen the the? Nigeria 2020 uh, home shirt for, for from Nike. No, but Nigeria's kits are always fantastic. So yeah, it's, right it's, now. It's, not, it's not super recent. It you know it came out the beginning of the year. Um, it's uh, it's bonkers, and I fucking love it. I fucking it's not love just it. green and white. What's that? It's not just green and white. Yeah, yeah. It's got I me. Mean, it's got a. It's got like a little. It's got a couple different shades of green on it. Um, yeah, I'm seeing it now. It's great. It's uh, it's fucking fantastic. Oh, that's uh, awesome. 
Oh yeah, there you go. Uh, I like that one. I like that. Uh, I like I definitely like the. And you're right, Nigeria, whatever, whatever they do for Nigeria for Nike, they, it's it's you know get on it. It's, they're hard to find as well because um, they're fucking awesome, awesome shirts. So that would be the one that I have. And again, I'm also don't have any money to spend on kits, um, so I am I'm refraining from buying anything until. I get a job and once I get a job I'm gonna probably buy three or four different kits I have I have lined up so all right that brings us to the end of the podcast uh that was a good one guys then we kept it under two hours as well so good job uh don't forget to rate and review our podcast wherever you listen to um this uh fun ass podcast davesiknow.com patreon.com slash the days I know uh you can follow me at Texas Eller, Dan's at D Wade, MJ is at MJ Matsui. Uh, we are at TDIK, TDIKMN. Well, it's mostly me at TDIKMN uh, on the Twitter. So thanks, everybody. Uh, we'll chat with you all next week after uh, two match week. So we've been the Dave, you know. This is the Dave. I know. We have got to try and work it out because we both know we can't do nothing. Long as you do yours, land here become feet, con. Yeah, uh, we, we do yeah. our thing, son. Do the act we attract to, hope to reach one. Uh, we, yeah. we, we do our thing, do it. Do it. We do our thing, son. Some will paint a piece, some will spray with a machine gun. It's mad work to be done. We, we, we do our thing, son. Son, son, son. Nothing at